Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction, and free shipping, and that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements, featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, Right. For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Hi there! Welcome to History in Retrograde. This is the podcast where we use the ancient art of astrology to help us better understand the past. I'm your co-host, Chandler O'Quinn, and joining me live via satellite is my mom! Hi, Mom! Hi, Chandler! How are you? I'm doing very well. Are you ready to begin another grand experiment? I am very ready. I've been ready and waiting. Let's go! Alright, let's give it a whirl! Okay. Well, are you very excited to be back? Yes, yes. Uh, it has uh, been a while since uh, we have recorded anything. We had a nice uh, holiday break, and uh, it is good to be back for Season 3 in the year 2023, uh, History and Retrograde. That's so cool. I'm very excited. Um, So much has been going on with the podcast and meeting people. And doing charts and all the other interesting things that I'm doing at different holistic fairs and meet and greets and all the places that I've been going. So hello, everybody. I'm very excited to have you listening to the show. Uh, yes. Uh, hello, everyone. Uh, welcome uh, or welcome back. Uh, for those of you, if uh, you do not know how we usually do things around here, uh, well, the way that we usually do them is that uh, I uh, give my mother the uh, astrological birth date for a random historical figure, uh, and uh, then she will read that chart and then give us uh, her knowledge of uh, what she can find out about the chart. I'm even stumbling around on, on what we usually do here um but uh and then i come uh, with the uh reveal of who our mystery history guest is and then together uh we uh, go over uh how accurate the chart was at predicting uh, what that person would do but uh we're doing something a little different uh, for this uh, season three premiere i have chosen someone uh who is so big someone who uh is so well known especially in our household that uh, 
I felt that if I even gave mom the uh, birthday or the birthplace, uh, the, it would affect uh, her reading of the chart, that she uh, might be uh, able to figure out who it was. And I want to make sure that uh, we're, we're uh, going in this uh, completely free of any biases. So uh, I have given her uh, a chart already made uh, with the correct birth date and time and place, but uh, I did that myself. And so she is seeing this chart uh, blind um, uh, without uh, any of the knowledge of even that uh, person's birthday and time. Uh, all uh, she knows is that it is a male and uh, that uh, he was born at uh, 4.35 a.m. And uh, then she has the chart in front of her. I do. I do have this chart in front of me and you did it very well, Chandler. Thank you. <laughs> I, I, all I did was enter it into the computer. I didn't draw anything. But I know. Drawing it is a whole different animal, but we will maybe eventually get into that. Um, so do you want me to just go ahead and start? Yeah, I think we're ready. Let, let's, let's start. Let's go. Okay. So if uh, you are watching this on YouTube, which hopefully is going to be happening very soon, uh, you can see that this person has um, Sagittarius rising. And it, what I don't know, I can't know if this is a male or a female. I just, yes, it's a male. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I missed that part. Okay. So um, let's go through all of the aspects here. All right. So of course we have um, the rising sign is 12 degrees Sagittarius. And the sun is 17 degrees Capricorn. The moon is 2 degrees Pisces. The mercury is 22 degrees Capricorn. Ooh, Venus is 29 degrees Capricorn. Mars is 12 degrees Libra. Jupiter is 18 degrees Scorpio. Saturn is 25 degrees Aquarius. Uranus is 27 degrees Aries. Neptune is 14 degrees Virgo. Pluto is 25 degrees Cancer. North Node is 1 degree Aquarius. And Chiron is 5 degrees Gemini. So as you can see by looking at this with all of the planets all the way around the chart, this is a splash chart. So that makes this person, first off, very dynamic, all right? Um, I would say there's a lot of energy here, okay? And although this person doesn't have any planets in their first house, uh, having Sagittarius on the first house is um, something that normally I like to call it the cool factor. <laughs> there's, there's like um, kind of a... I mean, this person can also be known kind of like as the boy next door, you know, very um, cordial, very polite, but also this person kind of has a cool factor. Like, um, people, uh, people tend to really like Sagittarius rising people. They're very friendly and easy to get along with. But then we go to second house and the second house houses this person's sun, Mercury, Venus, and North Node. Now, this person's North Node is at one degree Aquarius 
in the second house. So it is part of their value system. Uh, second house is ruled by Taurus, which is ruled by Venus, which is your money, your finances. Uh, and I think also your values and your valuables, you know? So this person has sun conjunct by degree Mercury and that conjunct by degree Venus. So this person, and it's all in Capricorn. So I would say that this person probably made a lot of money and they, uh, were, uh, or should have been fairly good. Well, they would have been really hard workers. They would have had, uh, also like maybe they were, um, communicating like that's how they made their money, but also Venus is there. So it's very interesting how all of their Capricorn, their sun, their Mercury and their Venus being conjunct in Capricorn and then having that North node there as well, which is Aquarius humanitarian. Um, somehow they might've been very, um, generous with their income. They might have been a person who, uh, contributed to humanitarian efforts if they were a good, Aquarius, <laughs> North Node Aquarius, if they were following their North Node, uh, if they were not following their North Node, their South Node would have been in Leo. And that could have made them very, um, more about themselves, you know, then in the third house of communication, which is ruled by Gemini, we have Saturn, at 25 degrees Aquarius and moon at two degrees Pisces. So moon in Pisces is extremely creative. All right. And, and loving. And, uh, this person I think, uh, should have had a very good, uh, relationship with women. Um, and, Having Saturn there at 25 degrees, it is interesting because uh, Saturn in Aquarius, again, is very humanitarian. It's very um, a person who wants to help. It should be a person who wants to help humanity and somehow their communications help humanity because it's Saturn and that's the lessons. And then their moon, it would have been somehow helping humanity through creativity, emotional, somehow using their emotions to convey messages to humanity. Their fourth house cusp is Pisces. So their house would have been uh, kind of unusual and creative and, and dreamlike, dreamy. Uh, maybe That's their, they, their physical house? Their physical house mm -hmm. would have been kind of dreamy, kind of um, definitely creative and, and, and unique. Uh, 
and very interesting and 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 Neptunian, which is kind of dreamy, you know, fantasy-ish. And then their fifth house cusp is Aries. And having Aries on the fifth house is almost like, <laughs> that's like having a warrior aspect towards like creativity and, and, and maybe show business or leadership or also children, but like protective. But this person has Uranus at 27 degrees in their fifth house. So things in their career, if this is a person who is a, in show business, things would be lightning fast and happen completely unexpected and in a futuristic kind of way, because Uranus rules Aquarius and technology and future. And so somehow they are Actually, they, they should have really liked technology and anything having to do with uh, air or airwaves or this, you know, that kind of technology. Their sixth house is ruled by Taurus, which would have made them a very, very, very hard worker. Uh, they would have been the vision that I always have that I describe of, you know, the ox, like in the in the rain, in the hail you know, still plotting, still moving forward, still, no matter what, they just keep going, you know, and they might have been kind of a workaholic, but not in so much a fast way, but more in a way that is, um, uh, um, like stamina. They have a lot of stamina, this person, and they have Chiron, in Gemini, in the sixth house. So somehow, in their youth or in a past life, they had issues with communication. But in this life, or from whatever they learned in childhood, uh, they are a, a, a really good communicator um, in their work. Again, this is very interesting because when you see here in the house of communications, which is ruled by Gemini, they have Saturn basically conjunct moon. And even though Saturn is in Aquarius and the moon is in Pisces, right? So communication, lessons in communication for humanity, communication for humanity with emotions. And here we have Chiron, which is the wounded healer, which is someone who may have had issues communicating as a child who now takes this pain and turns it into healing if they're doing what they're supposed to do. Uh, they don't have anything in their seventh house, but their seventh house is ruled by Gemini. Uh, normally when you have a Sag rising with Gemini on the seventh house, this person would not necessarily be, uh, super, um, monogamous, 
So this person could have that aspect of not necessarily be monogamous. But when you have a Sag rising or a Sagittarius with all these Capricorn placements, it does ground them. And those Capricorn placements actually make them want to be monogamous. They would prefer to be monogamous. So that's interesting. Uh, eighth house, we have this Pluto in the eighth house, which shows you that there should be legacy. There should be um, quite the legacy involved with this person. And their Pluto is in Cancer. So somehow their legacy has to do with nurturing um, Cancerian things. Also the moon. Uh lunar mm, it could be um just uh, like nurturing like like love you know somehow their legacy and then their ninth house is leo right ninth house is your philosophy your dogma your it's also a lot of travel international travel um, and this person has Neptune in Virgo there. That's very interesting because Neptune in Virgo is somehow organizing your creativity. It could make you a writer. It could make you, uh, somehow also that Leo on the ninth house could make this person a leader in religion, dogma, philosophy, that kind of thing. Uh, this person has a Mars in Libra in the 10th house. Libra is ruled by Venus. So having Mars there and this being a man, I would think he was a very successful in his career and handsome and then Jupiter in Scorpio in the 11th house is like, I mean, baseline is this person would be considered very sexy, uh, by groups of people, by like large groups of people. Um, but also this person could have been very spiritual, very psychic, very, uh, into, um, hidden things, the occult, uh, I mean, it could be sexuality too, but I mean, Scorpios tend to be, um, more like, more like with this Jupiter and Scorpio, it's like, it's like the famous person that isn't always out in the middle of the people all the time. Like it's not the person who wants to go find the paparazzi, right? They kind of, they could oh, even similar be similar to Johnny Carson. Maybe. Right? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, like secluded. Uh -huh. it's, it's under his control when he goes out. Yeah. And, and prefers not to be, in the spotlight 
Although tons of people really want to see this person, right? Mm-hmm. Is any of that making any sense? Yeah. Okay. Uh, do you have any questions? And I, I just would like to reiterate to everyone that I, I have done my utmost here to make sure that this is an unbiased reading. Uh, I did not discuss beforehand who this is. I have uh, taken away the knowledge of the person's birthday and place. And yet there is so much here that mom has read that is exactly who this person is. Well, pretty much anybody who reads astrology at all can see what I'm seeing. Now, also, you know, I mean, normally in these in the podcast, we don't go into oppositions or squares or any of these things. But uh, Pluto at 25 degrees is opposing the sun, the Venus, I mean, the Mercury and the Venus. Okay, so there's an opposition from Pluto. And Pluto is death and rebirth. So it's possible that depending on what transits were happening at at the time, but in general, this is just this person going back and forth between, you know, death and rebirth in how they do their business, death and rebirth and how they nurture. You know what I mean? There's a lot going on right here between these two with this being in the eighth house. Do you have any questions? Yes. Uh, what do you think you'd do for a living? <laughs> I think this person, you know, because I always like show business. But, mm-hmm. I mean, if it isn't show business, then I guess politics, maybe? I mean, this person has to be well-known. This person, there's no, this person was going to be well-known no matter what, you know? This is something that... um has the lightning behind it in the fifth house. I'm thinking show business, but I mean, they could have been very, uh, well, I don't know. I just think that with these aspects, I think this person is in show business. Uh, and what some, is his... somehow communicating through creativity. Mm-hmm. What is his relationship to his mother? Well, his mother is the moon. It's in the third house. It's in Pisces. It is conjunct Saturn. I think that this person has karma with their mother and is very attached to their mother because uh, of the Saturn. Either they're very attached or they have a lot of lessons with the mother. Um, But I think, I think that uh, this person's mother was very influential in their creativity and communication. Because it's moon in Pisces, creative mother. The mother is creative, right? And so I think, I'm, I think that they, I mean, worst case scenario, the mother was... Um, maybe strict and um, uh, I don't know because it's in Aquarius so Saturn in Aquarius doesn't necessarily that's you know Saturn in Aquarius is Aquarius also was known to be ruled by Saturn but 
I think that it's more about humanitarian in groups, you know? Uh, what would his relationships to his siblings be? Hmm. Well, Saturn lessons. Saturn is lessons or teaching. So, I mean, it's in Pisces. The Saturn is in Aquarius and the uh, moon is in Pisces. Creativity. Saturn, though. I mean, I would think that there would be, if this person has siblings, they would be probably karmic. And there would be karma. Because third house is also siblings. What would this person look like? I think this person would be really good looking. I think because this person has Mars in Libra in the 10th house and Jupiter in Scorpio in the 11th house, I think that groups of people thought this person was very sexy and groups of people thought this person, you know, in their career, they're very handsome because ruled by Venus, they're going to be handsome. And then they got that Sagittarius rising, you know, easygoing, uh easy to get along with uh, kind of guy, you know? Mm-hmm. Anybody who has Sagittarius rising has an advantage in that they could basically do just about anything and get away with it because most people just see them as friendly, you know? But cool. Like, they're cool. Cool, like... Mm, not like Scorpio rising cool. Where Scorpio rising cool is very mysterious, you know? Mm -hmm. Sag rising people are kind of like... You get what you get. And, and you feel like they are very real. You know, like they're being real with you. Mm -hmm. Genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, they're not hiding anything. They are what they are. You get what you get, you know? And usually that comes across very friendly. Occasionally you get some <laughs> Sagittarius rising that are very loud and very opinionated, you know? But this person doesn't have anything in their first house, so I don't, I don't think they are so much loud and opinionated. And they have all this Capricorn, which would make them, honestly, maybe even a little bit shy. How does he dress? Well, that's first house, which is Sagittarius. Uh, I think this person... I mean, Sagittarius rising could dress really weird. You know, like, they could be anything from... They could look really rugged, you know, like they could look really, um, you know, like brawny, you know what I mean? Probably. Mm -hmm. uh, but I mean, Sagittarius rising is also ruled by Jupiter. So at, at some point, Sagittarius rising could get heavy, you know, uh, Jupiter is expansive, right? 
But Sagittarius rising can be flamboyant if they want to be, you know, like, um, I know a Sagittarius rising that would very much like to wear an elaborate cloak as a uh, garment of warmth. So, you know, there's that. <laughs> Would he be susceptible to exploitation? Uh, could people run over him? Well, um, as far as like, I mean, he does have Mars in Libra. Okay. Mars in Libra is not the same as Mars and Aries or Mars and Scorpio. You know what I mean? Mars and Libra is very much about balancing what's going on, you know? And having Neptune in Virgo in the ninth house is not helping this person be capable of detailed information. You know what I mean? Like Neptune in Virgo is like, you know, like a Virgo normally is like spot on, you know, like they know every detail that is Virgo trait. Virgo trait is needing to make it perfect. Having Neptune in Virgo is like, they give it like a drunk Virgo, you know what I mean? Like they don't, they don't have the same ability to decipher things the way Virgos do. And the Mars in Libra doesn't so much really care, you know, like Mars in Libra is in pursuit of beautiful things, right? They want, uh, and they are beautiful. I would assume this person is very beautiful. And um, I mean, they have all the Capricorn in the second house. So they are making money. Uh, but their their moon is in Pisces. So, I mean, they're, this person is not, even though they're making all this money and they are a very hard worker, I don't think that the actual money is like their whole deal, you know? It's because they just make money. Like if they had Saturn here in the second house, then they would be more like, oh, oh I have to make money. You know what I mean? In this situation, their Saturn is not about the money. Their lessons are not about money. Their lessons are about emotions. This is, I would imagine that this person could get very emotional, very heartbroken, you know? Uh, what is his relationship uh, to his country? Well, he has Pisces on the fourth house, but it changes right here to Aries in the middle, right? So he could be very devoted. Um, 
like a warrior to his country, to his community, to his uh, environment, to his home. I would imagine that this person uh, would be very willing to defend their home, you know, as a warrior in their country, you know. What kind of food would he like? All of it. Jupiter in the first house. Sagittarius on the first house. All of the food. All of it. Because including foods that are from different countries, uh, people who have Sag rising can have an issue with all the food, all the drinks. It's very bocce you know? And his relationship to controlled substances. Well, uh, he has Neptune in Virgo. So with Neptune in Virgo, although Neptune is where we go to look for alcoholism and stuff like that, uh, this person has Neptune in the sign of uh, health and medicine. And, um, organization, right? So with this Neptune in Virgo, I would, I would not think that this person was like an alcoholic because, uh, that would be unorganized. You know what I mean? Like if they're into anything, it would be somehow organized or medical or like you do this because you think it's going to make you better. You do this because, um, you know, maybe because it's creativity with medicine. Maybe this could be a person who, you know, uh, takes herbs or whatever so that they, for medicinal purposes, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And what is their relationship with sexuality and monogamy? Well, this person got Jupiter in Scorpio. So I would imagine <laughs> that... Um, this person probably could have had as much sex as they wanted to ever. Um, they have Jupiter, I mean, they have Gemini on the seventh house, which normally makes you not very much about being, you know, monogamous and committed, but then they have all this Capricorn in their chart. So when you have people who have Sagittarius rising with Capricorn placements, they can be monogamous. But I don't know how monogamous this person could have been with all of this going for them and being a man, you know? What kind of father would he be? Well, uh, he's a Capricorn. 
And a good Capricorn can be the best father, okay? But a bad Capricorn <laughs> is like the worst father because they they literally do the opposite of what they're supposed to do. Saturn rules Capricorn, so you assume that is that is the father, you know? Saturn is the father. So, I mean, they could have been a really good father. If they're, a, if they're the good side of everything, then they could have been a really good father. Maybe even kind of too lenient, possibly, of a father. Because that Mars and Libra would not make them very strict. It shouldn't. Are there any other aspects of this chart, uh, any other final impressions you have about it? I think that this person might have had the ability to have a huge amount of power that they really didn't know what to do with. They have moon in Pisces. I can't see them being maniacal or anything like that, you know? And I think that in a lot of ways, with this Scorpio, this Jupiter and Scorpio in the 11th house, they might not have wanted this, you know, like, even though they, they are so amazing and such a hard worker and so creative and so, you know, beautiful, I think that maybe they just... D didn't want it. Do you have any guesses as to who this might be? I do. Who? I think it's Elvis. You are correct. <laughs> I I can't lie. I mean, I'm looking at all this stuff and I'm like, wow. Because I've never looked at Elvis's chart before, but this makes a lot of sense. You know? It makes a lot of sense. And it kind of hurts my heart. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It kind of makes me sad and it makes me kind of want to cry just getting tuned into it um, because I think that in this situation, you know, like if I didn't know Elvis existed, if I didn't know anything about Elvis, if I wasn't a fan, you know, uh, of his work, I honestly don't know a huge amount about his personal life. But I'm a great fan of his work. And I think that in the in the opportunities where he was given the opportunity to do his own creativity the way he wanted to do it, he was so, so much more talented than what they allowed him to do. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So, um, yeah, it hurts my heart. This moon in Pisces hurts my heart. Your brother is a Capricorn with moon in Pisces, you know? Mm -hmm. it's a, It's a very creative um very creative that moon in pisces is so watery you know mm -hmm. so yeah i mean somewhere down in here when i started looking at it i was like oh this could probably be elvis but yeah i can't i can't say uh that i i don't have a guess mm -hmm. i have to be so honest. uh 
Uh, at this point, I will uh, I'll go over our summary okay. before we get into um, the uh, historical part of Elvis. So the first thing that you said was that he would be very dynamic and have a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a cool factor, but there's also a boy next door factor. Mm-hmm. Be polite. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, would make a lot of money. Be a hard worker. Mm-hmm. Uh, communication is how he made money. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he's a humanitarian. He would be very generous with his money. Mm-hmm. Uh, contributed to humanitarian efforts. Extremely creative, loving, uh, good relationship with women. Mm-hmm. Wants to help humanity with his communication and creativity. Mm-hmm. Uh, using emotions to convey messages to humanity. Mm-hmm. His house would be dreamy, Mm -hmm. creative, Mm -hmm. unique, a fantasy. Mm -hmm. Things happen in his life lightning fast. Uh, His show business career is lightning fast. Unexpected things and unique things happen. Yeah. Uh, He would have liked technology. Mm -hmm. He'd be a hard worker, a workaholic, uh, someone who had a lot of stamina. Uh, There might be early issues in his life with communication uh, that he would overcome and become very good at communicating uh, as a way of his work. Mm -hmm. Uh, He uh, can turn his communication uh, into healing. Mm -hmm. He can turn the pain inside of him into healing others. Mm -hmm. Uh, He would not be super monogamous, uh, but he would want to be monogamous. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Uh, He would have a powerful legacy, Uh, a legacy uh, that is uh, connected to nurturing Mm -hmm. and is connected to love. Uh, There'd be a lot of travel, possible international travel. Uh, He uh, would be a writer, a leader, someone uh, who uh, took religion and dogma, philosophy, spirituality very seriously. Uh, He'd be very successful and he'd be very handsome. Uh, he would be considered very sexy by large groups of people. Yes. Uh, but there's also something that is very spiritual, uh, nearly psychic about yeah. him. Yeah. Uh, and uh, he might prefer seclusion. Uh, he would want to meet the crowds on his own uh, uh, schedules. He wouldn't like the paparazzi around him all the time. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a death and rebirth connected to his business. Mm-hmm. Uh, he uh, would be, uh, his career would be show business. He would be well known, uh, and lightning is connected to his career, uh, which that's, I mean, literal. That lightning. is hilarious, too, because I just realized the lightning bolt and the TCB. Mm-hmm. I just saw that when you said that. That's so funny. Uh, communicating through creativity. Uh, There's karma with his mother. Mm -hmm. He'd be very attached. Mm -hmm. There are lots of lessons with his mother. Mm -hmm. Uh, His mother's very influential in his creativity and communication. Mm -hmm. Uh, His mother could possibly be strict. Um, There are lessons with siblings and karma with siblings. Uh, He'd be very good looking. Groups of people uh, would think that he was sexy. Mm-hmm. Uh, he is easygoing, easy to get along with, mm-hmm. charming, mm-hmm. Uh, friendly, and mm-hmm. cool in a genuine way. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get what you get. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could be a, a very shy. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
he would dress really weird. Uh, could be. Could be rugged. Mm-hmm. Could get heavy in life. Mm-hmm. Uh, would be flamboyant. Could be, yes. He would want balance in his life. Uh, not capable of detailed information. Uh, there, uh, in pursuit, uh, he would be always in pursuit of beautiful things. Yes. Uh, he'd be very good at making money and a very hard worker, but mm-hmm. money is not his end goal. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would just make money. Mm-hmm. Uh, there, his lessons, the thing about his existence in this life was about emotions. Mm-hmm. Uh, he'd be very devoted to his country, his community, his home. Uh, he could be a warrior mm-hmm. who could defend his home. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would want all the food, uh, yeah. a variety of food, exotic foods. <laughs> yes. Uh, he would not be an alcoholic. That is too unorganized. Mm-hmm. Uh, he would be attracted to organized substances, mm-hmm. medicine. Mm-hmm. Uh, he could have as much sex as he wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, uh, it would be hard for him to be committed, to mm-hmm. be monogamous. Mm-hmm. He could either be the best or the worst father, mm-hmm. uh, but possibly really good, maybe too lenient. Uh, there uh, is a huge amount of power that he didn't know what to do with mm-hmm. and might not have wanted. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, as predicted this is uh the astrological birth chart of elvis presley mm-hmm. uh, he was born on january 9th 1935 in tupelo mississippi uh he was uh born to uh, his mother gladys his father vernon presley and uh, they were a, a very uh, struggling poor family in rural mississippi uh, they had gotten married earlier, and uh, they were living in uh, different families' uh, spare rooms. And then when Gladys became pregnant, uh, Vernon decided that she would need her own house to have the baby. And so he borrowed $150 so that he could construct a two-room shack uh, for her to give birth in. Uh, the... The morning of January 8th, 1935, it was... Uh, uh, very uh, it was overcast and rainy and uh in the early morning hours uh the first child there were twins that were born mm-hmm. uh the first one was named Jesse Aaron and he uh was stillborn uh, and then Elvis uh was born later uh the fact that there was a twin brother who had not survived was something that Gladys reminded Elvis of all the time and that he would need to do enough living for both of them Aww. Uh, At the age of three, uh, Vernon, who had been struggling from job to job in Tupelo, uh, was eventually arrested uh, for uh, check fraud, Mm -hmm. and he was sent to prison. Uh, Because he was unable to uh, care for the family, they would have to give up that two-room shack, Mm -hmm. and they would have to start living in different uh, family members' houses again, living off of the kindness of their community, borrowing and and taking whatever leftovers they could eat. Mm-hmm. Uh, fellow classmates remember Elvis as being withdrawn, uh, but he was always eager to sing. Uh, and uh, he uh, uh, was always uh, willing to, to participate in church and, uh, and in uh, elementary school when it came to uh, singing. Uh, 
circumstances with the father being in prison and uh, falling on hard times placed uh, the pres well his, really just his mother and him uh living in uh the uh, black neighborhood of Tupelo and it was there that Elvis uh, was exposed to a completely different kind of culture, different uh, kind of music, and a way of expressing yourself uh, in uh, the music, in religion, and all these things. And and he soaked up all of these uh, uh, unique ways uh, in the uh, that the black families were expressing themselves. Uh, at the age of ten, Elvis got his first guitar. Uh, from uh, the pawn shop because uh, his family could not afford to buy him a bicycle. Uh, so he got a guitar instead, and he learned how to play from family members, and especially from his uh, pastor uh, at his church. Elvis so much loved going to church and had such a religious connection that even when uh, his uh, father or mother was not able to go to church, he would walk him by himself to go to church. Mm. Uh, at the age of 13, uh, Vernon had uh, had enough of struggling in rural Mississippi and decided to move the family uh, to the capital of the Mississippi Delta, Memphis. Uh, after a few months, they would end up living in uh, housing projects called Lauderdale Courts. Uh, it was during this time that Elvis already developed his unique sense of style. Uh, he did not look like any of the other boys. You can imagine uh, in uh, the early 1950s, there were a lot of uh, clean-cut uh, 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 boys, people wearing uh, jeans and shirts. And <laughs> Elvis, he uh, wanted to go to the tailors who made clothes for African-American performers and got bright pink shirts with black <laughs> sports coats. And he grew Grew his hair long. If it was down, it would cover his eyes, and then he would uh, style it with rose water and uh, a Vaseline. <laughs> uh, and this made him uh, uh, picked on a lot by the kids in in the middle school and the high school that he was going to. Uh, even at this time, he's already experimenting with makeup as well to make sure that uh, he is always looking uh, uh, unique and and stylized. Mm -hmm. uh, his mother instinctively trusted Elvis, uh, uh, knew that he would not do anything that she didn't want him to do. And so he had a lot of freedom in his adolescence. And mm -hmm. He would walk all throughout Memphis, and one of his favorite spots was to go uh, down Beale Street in Memphis, which is the home of the blues. And there he would listen to artists like Bo Diddley and B.B. King and Big Mama Thornton and, mm -hmm. again, soak in uh, uh, the their knowledge and their music uh, and, and bring it into uh, himself and uh, would later uh, incorporate all of that uh, tutelage into uh, his own unique style. Uh, he continued to be uh, picked on in school, uh, though he did fairly well in class. In fact, the only class that he failed in school was music class. Oh, no! Uh, he uh, graduated in 1953, and uh, he started working as an usher in a movie theater and then uh, moved up, and he became a truck driver. And uh, uh, the way that uh, he got the job as a truck driver, there was the lady from the unemployment office who called uh, the electric company and uh, said that despite how he looks, he's a very good boy, uh, and uh, you could Aww. really help him out by giving him a job. And uh, the uh, clerk at the uh, electric company said, well, wh what do you want to do with your life? And he said, all I want to do is make enough money to buy my mama a house. Uh, 
he was uh, crisscrossing all over uh, this uh, region of uh, uh, Tennessee and Arkansas and uh, uh, would go, of course, all around Memphis. And uh, there is this business uh, uh, that was a Memphis recording studio. It would later become Sun Records. There's a man named Sam Phillips who ran this uh, operation off of Union Street in Memphis. And Elvis kept passing it, uh, and he kept thinking that maybe I should go in there one day and, and maybe he might discover me. And uh, so one of these days in August uh, of uh, 1955, uh, he goes in, or 54, he goes in uh, to record a record for his mother's birthday. And uh, the clerk there, uh, the secretary, Marianne Keisker, mm-hmm. uh, she uh, said, well, okay, uh, Elvis, uh, what, uh, uh, what kind of music do you sing? And he said, well, uh, I sing all kinds of music. She said, well, that, that's very nice. So, well, who do you sound like? And he says, ma'am, I don't sound like nobody. <laughs> that's true. Uh, and uh, Marion uh, decided that she was not going to wait for Sam, uh, that she was going to go ahead and, and help him and, and record this herself. And <laughs> and he starts singing. And uh, Elvis, at this point, he, he loved ballads. He loved these, these uh, old-fashioned ballads. One of his favorite songs was Old Shep, a, a song about, about a dog. And, <laughs> and so he was singing these ballads, and there, there was a sound there that she knew was, was unique, uh, but no one really knew what to do with it at that time. So she gave Elvis a copy uh, of this recording, and then she kept one herself and mm-hmm. wrote a note on it to make sure that Sam hears this boy, that there's something special about him. Mm-hmm. Well, he kept coming in uh, every couple of months or so, and eventually Sam Phillips started to listen to it. But he kept singing these ballads, and and there was nothing really spectacular about it. Uh, And uh, so Sam kept saying, and he kept saying to Mary, and he kept saying to anybody who would listen, that if he could find a white boy who could sing like a black boy, that he could make a billion dollars. And uh, Sam was already in all these different businesses. He was uh, he created the first all female radio network uh, that he did out of uh, uh, Memphis. I, I think it was called W H E R. He was uh, already recording these blues artists, which nearly no one was, but he knew that th- this music was important. This music could move people, mm-hmm. and uh, so he gives Elvis this other shot. And uh, it's in the summer, and in July fifth of uh, nineteen fifty four. And uh, they they record all through the evening, and uh, it's just not working. They're just singing all these ballads, and it's just not working. And so they decide to call it a night. And while they're putting away the instruments, Elvis just starts uh, fiddling around on the guitar. And uh, then the rest of the boys, the bass player and the uh, rhythm guitar, they start jumping in, and they're just goofing around with this old song called That's All Right, Mama. Uh Uh-huh. And Sam hears this, and he says, what are you all playing in there? And they said, oh, well, we're just goofing around. And he says, well, keep goofing around. And so he <laughs> recorded That's All Right, Mama and Blue Moon of Kentucky. And a few days later, he sends it off to uh, the radio station, and it just hits gangbusters. Uh, they uh, keep playing it. They just the, the, It's requested over and play that song again, play that song again. And no one believes that this boy who's singing is a white 
is 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 white. Uh-huh. Uh, they they think that it's African American man, and and uh, so uh, they have to find Elvis out on the street to bring him into the radio station, and uh, they start talking, and Elvis doesn't even know that this is a real interview. He right. just thinks that he's he's just talking with this man, uh-huh. and then they say, "Okay, well, thank you, Elvis," and all that was going out to the radio, and this becomes a huge huge hit in Memphis, and <laughs> uh, Sam Phillips decides to uh, record lots of other songs and. Uh, then puts him out on uh, the circuit, puts him out on the carnival circuit, puts him out uh, touring all over the South. Mm-hmm. Uh, eventually, he would uh, go on to the Grand Ole Opry, which was you know this huge, huge uh, radio show. And they didn't quite care uh, uh, for his rock and roll uh, music. Uh, but the second most famous uh, radio station or radio uh, show in the area, the Louisiana Hayride, they loved it. And mm-hmm. the way that the women reacted to Elvis, because he would just move. He yeah. he had no he had no other way of of controlling all of this rhythm and all how the music affected him. He would just move his body in all sorts of ways and shake his legs and and women. No one had ever seen anything like this mm-hmm. ever. And. Uh, through all these shows and he plays all over Texas he he would often say that he got he really got his start in Texas mm-hmm. playing all the little honky tonks and playing all through Houston and uh all these other places and while he was out on these circuits uh, there was a, a carnival promoter uh who, who turned into a music uh, uh promoter uh, named Colonel Tom Parker mm-hmm. and uh, Colonel Parker uh said that he was from West Virginia but was really in uh non-naturalized uh, citizen from Holland. Oh, no. And uh, he, at that time, was uh, the uh, uh, promoter for Hank Snow, uh, who was a big country star, had a lot of uh, hit records himself. And I think w- it's easy, if anyone knows anything about Elvis, to automatically point to Colonel Parker as, as the ultimate reason for his demise, that this was just this uh, this man who was a, a, an exploiter. And uh, th- there's certainly lots of evidence to, to prove on, uh, on that. I think mm-hmm. that uh, one of the things that Colonel Parker became famous for as this carnival showman is that he would uh, get a, uh, he would have a chicken and he would put the chicken on a hot plate alive and he would play turkey in the straw that's very bad and watch as the chicken tried to lift its feet to not get burned from this hot plate and you can see it's real easy to 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 draw the conclusion that well colonel parker just saw elvis presley as another version of this chicken that's very much more uh uh, uh, just a much bigger version of Mm. this colonel parker didn't understand the music he didn't understand why anybody liked it but he knew that people did, and he knew that there was something absolutely special about this young man. And so, in 1955, he uh, he signed Elvis to a contract, and uh, later on in that year, he, he uh, negotiated the largest contract that any solo artist had ever gotten up to that point, over $40,000, uh, to get him off of the Sun record and onto RCA Victor. With that forty thousand, uh, well, Sam Phillips took a large part of that, and he invested in the Holiday Inn <laughs> and became a multi multi millionaire. But he also took a large part of that money to grow Sun Records so that there uh, uh, he could 
uh, produce records for people like uh, Roy Orbison and Carl Perkins and Johnny Cash uh, and uh, Jerry Lee Lewis. Uh, so, and all that would not have been possible without this contract uh, mm-hmm. that gave Elvis to RCA. And Elvis became a huge millionaire to boot. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was a great deal that Parker was able to negotiate. Uh, and it was at this time in 1956 that Elvis was now no longer just this Southern uh, uh, phenomenon. He becomes known to the world, and mm-hmm. uh, or at least to the rest of the United States. And the rest of the United States also didn't know what it liked to think about this boy who was gyrating and moving his legs all about. <laughs> and uh, they, they blamed all sorts. They said that the, he's causing a juvenile delinquency, that uh, rock and roll music and Elvis in particular uh, needs to be stopped at all costs. And uh, this really affected him psychologically because he he wasn't doing this uh, to to be this great delinquent. He he was just feeling the music with inside him. And right. he was a very spiritual person and uh-huh. uh, uh, was always very polite and uh, uh Eventually, he goes on to uh, the Ed Sullivan show, and that's one of the the, the hugest variety shows that there ever was. And uh, Ed Sullivan, he'd already been on national television. Elvis had been on national television a few times. He had uh, been on uh, the Texaco show with uh, Milton Berle, and he'd been on uh, uh, Steve Allen. Steve Allen hated uh, rock and roll music so much that uh, he told Elvis that you cannot move, and in fact, I'm going to put you in a tux, and you have to seeing hound dog to this actual basset hound <laughs> oh, no. uh, uh, because we want to make a fool out of you mm-hmm. um, and, and on Ed Sullivan he that first time around he didn't have any restrictions on him mm-hmm. uh, and so uh, they filmed him uh, this is not the time that they filmed him only from the waist up you, you saw everything you saw all the women going crazy and after the end of this performance Ed Sullivan goes up and, and uh he goes to the straight to the camera and he says, out of all of the acts that we've ever seen here, uh, Elvis and, and these boys behind him are the most polite uh, and uh, they are the most decent uh, young men that I've ever seen. Aww. And that did a huge amount for Elvis and being able to not be seen as just this uh, a delinquent, but mm-hmm. but as as someone that you could have in your own home, that it, it, it was... Uh, uh, all right, that he was a good, uh, a good young man. Mm-hmm. Uh, so uh, he continues on this success, and Colonel Parker uh, decides, and, and Elvis, they get together, and well, what does what do all the other big music stars do? Bing Crosby, Frank Sinatra, as soon as they get their first number one hits, they then go to Hollywood. Uh-huh. And so Colonel Parker negotiated a contract with MGM, and uh, they make uh, Elvis's first motion picture, Love Me Tender, and it is the number one film that year. Yeah. It is huge. Uh, they make, uh, and he's continued to make records, Hound Dog, Heartbreak Hotel, Too Much, All Shook Up, Teddy Bear, all hitting number one uh, movies. So Love Me Tender's the first one he mm-hmm. makes jailhouse rock king creole uh king creole uh I, honestly it's my favorite of these early ones because it has uh, not only elvis in there but also has walter matthau <laughs> uh, who is the most new yorky uh new orleans man i've ever seen <laughs> and uh, i was watching this one thing and walter matthau talks about he was already he was much older than elvis and talked about how great of a young man he was and how serious of an actor he wanted to be right and that no one really allowed him 
to be that great of an actor. Though yeah. people tried, they yeah. tried to get him to play uh, uh, Marlon Brando's uh, role in uh, Where the Wild Ones Are. And uh, eventually they, they would try and get him to be in uh, George Pappard's role in How the West Was Won and yeah. all these grand pictures. And, and the colonel just would not let him. Uh, but the, they uh, were talking uh, on the set and Walter Matthau was talking. And this was directed by Michael Curtiz. And Michael Curtiz uh, directed Casablanca. Yeah. Uh, so uh, one of the greatest directors. And uh, this was these Elvis movies, even these really great ones, were still seen by these great producers and directors as being beneath them. Yeah. And uh, so Michael Curtiz was German, and uh, he uh, he told uh, uh, Walter Matthau that, uh, I need you to act less. <laughs> Just act less. Uh, and so that you can meet Elvi. Uh, he called Elvis Elvi. Mm-hmm. Uh, so meet Elvi, and you will both be acting the same if you act less. Mm-hmm. Um, and, but Walter Matthau was completely impressed with uh, a young Elvis. And mm-hmm. uh, so these all came out in 1957. And then uh, March of 1958, uh, Elvis's number comes up in the draft, and he is drafted into the United States Army. And he's offered the deal to uh, be in the USO, to be in the Entertainment Corps, mm-hmm. uh, to uh, just go around the country, go around uh, uh, to these stations and entertain the troops. And Elvis says, no, I want to be treated like any other uh, uh, soldier. Yeah. Uh, and uh, so he is uh, put in and into the tank division. He is trained at Fort Hood, Texas. Yes. Uh, and uh, it is there that uh, Gladys, his mother, uh, develops hepatitis mm. and uh, she passes away rapidly in August of mm-hmm. 1958. And that uh, had a, a profound impact on Elvis for the rest of his life. Many of those who were close to him said that he, he never had the, the verve for life. He never enjoyed life much after Gladys died in right. 1958. Uh, you could just see that they had spent so much time together because mm-hmm. of Vernon either being in prison or going off on all these jobs, mm-hmm. and there was that they had lost uh, the brother Jesse, and there was just such this connection between the two that uh, uh, it, it it was much more than just a mother that he had lost. It was his friend, his companion. It was everything. Right. Um. Uh, but he continued uh, as a soldier. He was eventually stationed uh, in raid barracks in Germany, and uh, he was uh, he was determined to be the best soldier and not to get any special treatment. Mm-hmm. And uh, just before I go into all that, I, there's this other part about when he was drafted that young girls, teenagers, wrote letters to President Eisenhower <laughs> demanding. That uh, Elvis not be drafted. Please, (laughs) please, Mr. President, don't make uh, Elvis go into the army, please. And then a few of them, they'd say in their letters, and if you do make him go into the army, please don't let him cut that hair. That beautiful hair, please. But no, Elvis, he he got the same uh, buzz cut that all the other GIs did. And uh, Elvis, when he was in Germany, was determined to be the absolute best soldier, and he earned every promotion that he ever got. Uh, At one point, there was an inspection uh, of uh, the vehicles. He was in the tank corps, and uh, he went down underneath the Jeeps, and he sanded the tailpipes so that they were shiny. Mm -hmm. 
Oh my! Uh, and uh, when the uh, uh, the commanding officer looked over everything, uh, he said, uh, "Presley, I, I don't have to do this, but I-, I need to say that these are the finest looking automobiles that I've ever seen." <laughs> <laughs> and uh, he would eventually be promoted to sergeant mm-hmm. uh, in the army, and uh, then he left uh, in 1960. But before he did, uh, he met a 14 year old girl named Priscilla. Mm-hmm. Uh, who was the daughter of an Air Force colonel, and uh, spent a lot of time with her. Even though they were 10 years apart, he was 24 and she was 14, uh, somehow they had this connection. And uh, they uh, he really felt that he could open up to her. Uh, and I think especially with the uh, mother having just passed away, he was looking for that female companionship. And somehow uh, he, he, he found it in, in, this, uh, in this little girl. Mm-hmm. And uh, they developed this relationship. And uh, though when he got on the airplane to go back to the United States, Priscilla thought that she'd never see him again. Mm-hmm. Um, but she was always on his mind. And uh, he went back to the United States and he went home to a hero's welcome. And all of the people who had denounced Elvis now saw his service in the army. And one of the ones who, who had denounced him the most was Frank Sinatra. And it was in 1960, Frank Sinatra um, uh, hosted a television special welcoming Elvis back home, telling people that this is a decent, hardworking young man, the perfect specimen of what America uh, should want out of its young people. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he goes into uh, 1960 and he makes uh, a whole bunch of records. Colonel Parker had actually recorded a whole bunch of songs before he went into the army and was steadily releasing them throughout the two years so that nobody would forget who Elvis was. Uh, And then uh, they immediately got into the studio and recorded Elvis is Back, and so many good songs come out off of that album. And uh, they make uh, several really great movies. Uh, uh, They make G.I. Blues, Flaming Star, uh, Blue Hawaii. Uh, it's a little bit after this first wave that that some of these films start to fall off in quality. Um, But uh, these first few were were very good, and he really did want to be taken seriously as an actor. Uh, He would uh, even go uh, and follow... uh, um, the Stanislavski method mm-hmm. and, and really try and, and become the, the best actor that he could be. Mm-hmm. But uh, these great producers and the people at MGM, uh, Hal Wallace would make three Elvis movies a year. Mm hmm. And he would take the profits because they were huge money makers, yes. and then he would put them into the movies that he really wanted to make. Yeah, uh, and uh, really just treated Elvis as this bank, mm-hmm. and that's how Colonel Parker was seeing it too. Mm-hmm. Th- there's this formula, and you don't mess with this formula. And uh, Elvis was just working at making these three films a year, and never really getting to express himself either acting or in singing. Mm-hmm. And by the time you get to the late 60s, uh, he's really burnt out on all of it. Right. Uh, uh, that he's having to make uh, these films that he doesn't really want to do and sing these songs that he really doesn't want to. Um, he, uh, I will say, in the middle of all this, in 1964, uh, he makes uh, Viva Las Vegas. And uh, mm-hmm. that may not have won any Academy Awards, <laughs> but... It is a great premise Mm -hmm. because it is essentially taking the most beautiful man in the world Uh and taking the most beautiful woman in the world Uh and Margaret and then just putting them in a movie together. Uh And uh, 
you can see the chemistry on screen and off screen. It was just uh, as as uh, hot. <laughs> uh, these two uh, were, uh, and they got along together because they were in the same business and they understood all these pressures that were put upon both of them. Right. Um, and not just the usual pressures, but these pressures of being sex symbols and and everything. But uh, the, I would say out of these, this middle range of movies, uh, Viva Las Vegas is definitely one everybody should try um but uh, uh that relationship uh, was uh, not to be as elvis had actually gotten priscilla to come from germany and live in graceland mm-hmm. even though uh, she was a minor and they were not married uh, she lived in graceland now all stories according to priscilla and elvis they n- never did any funny business mm-hmm. um but uh priscilla was living in Graceland so that she could attend high school in Memphis um, and graduate in Memphis. Mm -hmm. And uh, she did, and then she continued to live there. And uh, then in 1967, uh, they uh, got married uh, at the Aladdin Hotel in Las Vegas. Elvis continues uh, to make these... uh, Poor quality movies. Um, a, a huge thing happens in his life in February uh, when their daughter, Lisa Marie, is born. Um, but this is 1968. The world is radically different from uh, when Elvis started uh, his journey. Uh, with all of the protests, with the Vietnam War, uh, the, the, uh, the view towards Elvis now was that he was stale. Uh, that uh, he was making these movies and every one of these movies was still making money, but nobody uh, really thought that they, there was no critical acclaim. There's nothing breaking, uh, groundbreaking Mm -hmm. being done anymore. And uh, even Colonel Parker starting to see this. And he says, we need to now do a Christmas special. Mm -hmm. And uh, so in June of 1968, they get together with NBC and uh, Colonel Parker, if you've seen the, the new Elvis movie, you've seen Tom Hanks and his ridiculous uh, Bond villain accent as Colonel <laughs> Parker uh, say that he wants he wants uh, Elvis to sing Sanity Claus, Sanity Claus. <laughs> and uh, so uh, the, the, this whole Christmas special, he wants Elvis in a, in a sweater to sing Christmas songs mm-hmm. and... Uh, there's this meeting with the director, Steve Binder, and uh, Elvis says, uh, tell me, what do you think of my career? And Steve Binder says, well, Elvis, I think it's in the toilet. Yeah. And Elvis goes, you know, you're the first person who's actually talked straight with me mm-hmm. about that. And so the two of them get together to have complete control over this television special. Mm-hmm. And there's not going to be one Christmas song in there. <laughs> and uh, Elvis is just going to do what Elvis does. He's got, he, he gets this special jumpsuit made that's made out of black leather. Mm-hmm. And uh, he uh, decide, he, he started to take on karate. So mm-hmm. he's going to do uh, karate moves in the, in the middle of these songs. And uh and uh steve they're trying to figure out other parts of, of the special and steve goes into his dressing room and he's just jamming elvis is just jamming with his musicians and mm-hmm. they go this is what it should be it should just be this jam session and so elvis that they bring him out and uh uh they they just do a jam session like nobody else is there and and 
all of this classic rock and roll is now th- this music uh, uh, that that he became famous on, but also the music of his roots, and and you just see that uh, the the '68 is be- it's now called the comeback special uh, because uh, it brought Elvis back to uh, uh, not just I mean Elvis. There are some people who say well Elvis never really went away, mm-hmm. but that that that. Uh, uh, zest uh, uh, for life, that that zest of music, that uh, uh, even spiritual quality was brought back with this uh, television special. And uh, they decide to end the special. Elvis was very conscious of the world that was around him, uh, and with the, uh, especially the uh, assassination of Dr. Uh, Martin Luther King, which had happened earlier that year, uh, there's this song called If I Can Dream. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elvis used to just go around and he would, uh, he would quote the I Have a Dream speech mm-hmm. from Martin Luther King. It meant so much mm-hmm. to him. And, and King had having died in his own hometown of Memphis mm-hmm. and to know that there's still this strife out there uh, between blacks and whites and, and, and Elvis feeling like he's somehow in the middle of these two uh, cultures. Uh, he really wanted to do this song, If I Can Dream, and he fought and he fought with Colonel Parker and then he finally got it in. And it's one of the most moving performances uh, uh, you can watch. Uh, 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 and it's a song that doesn't, he didn't even record this later on. The only recording that there is is of this in the television special but it's mm-hmm. so moving when you can see it mm-hmm. uh, so this debuts in december of 1968 it's uh, the most watched television special of the year uh, elvis is now brought back up to the top uh, he goes in and he records uh, from elvis in memphis this has songs uh, in the ghetto uh, uh, suspicious minds uh, on it. it it's a huge uh, hit uh, and in fact, uh, he was working so uh, well with the people inside that they were cutting Colonel Parker out of these deals. Mm-hmm. And so Colonel Parker said that would never happen again. You'd never even see these people again. He Elvis never got to talk to that director ever again. Mm-hmm. Never. Mm-hmm. Uh, but they do decide that the movies are done. And so uh, what they're going to do instead is they're going to go to Vegas. Mm -hmm. And Elvis puts together this Vegas show. And uh, I would encourage everyone, if you're interested in any of the ramblings that I'm going on, (laughs) because this is a a much longer episode than usual. But I I love Elvis so much. uh, to watch, uh, that's the way it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, and this is vague, this is Elvis putting together his Vegas show. And you can see he's not some stooge who's just being put out on stage. He is commanding the, uh, the orchestra and it's now full orchestra behind him. And uh, he knows exactly when he wants the backups to come in and go out and when he wants the horns to come in. And, uh, th- this, this performance is, is truly amazing. And, and he decides that in order to do these shows in Vegas, he can't just go out there in a suit because a suit is too restrictive. He needs something that's like his karate outfits that he has been uh, practicing karate mm-hmm. in. And so they make these jumpsuits that are based off of these karate outfits so that he can have a full uh, uh, a full motion mm-hmm. uh, in everything that he does because he feels the music all throughout every part of his body. And uh, the designers of these decide that they're going to make Elvis look like uh, the neon signs of Vegas. And so they put all these rhinestones and they put all these designs and... uh, 
for those of you who may just think of Elvis and you think of this overweight man in a white jumpsuit, you, you don't understand uh, the beauty of these things and, mm-hmm. and the intricate work that went into each and every one of them. If you go to Graceland, they have so many of them all over the place and the capes and the sequins and some of these he would he would literally take the cape off of himself and he would fling it out into the audience and one of the audience members got to keep these capes that were worth thousands and thousands (laughs) of dollars and uh this this vegas show completely reinvigorated elvis's love of of the community of the audience uh you watch these and he, they would always play uh, either Love Me Tender or uh, Can't Help Falling in Love. And when they did that, that was time for Elvis to go into the audience and kiss every single woman in the audience. <laughs> uh, I don't know what kind of diseases that man could have gotten. This is certainly a pre-COVID world. But he, he is uh, uh, j- just kissing on all these uh, women. And this happened all the time. He's doing two shows a day, seven days a week mm. in Vegas. Uh, then they decide to go all over the United States and they tour all over the United States. And uh, uh, their talks, if Elvis had gone international, if Elvis had ever gone to Europe mm-hmm. uh, or to Australia or to Asia, uh, the, the they would have made billions of dollars. Mm-hmm. But Colonel Parker would not let them go outside of the United States because he was uh, not a citizen of the United States. Uh-huh. He was afraid that if they got back into the United States, they would not let Colonel Parker back in. Uh-huh. So he put the kibosh on all that. Now, there's also all of the uh, prescription drugs and all of the firearms that Elvis would have taken with him. (laughs) And whether those all would have been able to be checked in through uh, uh, Gatwick Airport in London, (laughs) I don't know. But they also point to that as a reason for why he didn't get to go all over the world. Uh, in 1972, uh, another big hit came for Elvis when Priscilla uh, decided they need to separate. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly, Elvis could not be monogamous because how could you mm-hmm. with all of these women throwing themselves at you? Uh, it was something that he wanted, but just couldn't. He he wasn't capable of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and Priscilla left Elvis for his karate instructor. <laughs> and that really took a blow to Elvis's ego. And he would just, at late at nights in Graceland, he would just say, the karate instructor. Yeah. How? The karate instructor. Yeah. Uh, but even though he had suffered this, this blow, they actually became closer in their divorce than they ever were when they were married because mm-hmm. they had Lisa Marie and they need to take care of her. And uh, they left the uh, filing office when they filed their divorce uh, arm in arm mm-hmm. uh, with more affection for each other than they ever had before. Mm-hmm. Uh, in 1973, uh, Elvis uh, uh, is the first solo artist to have a uh, live uh, concert uh, beamed all across uh, the world. Uh, uh, Elvis Aloha from Hawaii uh, is uh, uh, broadcast in January of 1973. Over 1. 1.5 billion people in the world watched Elvis, over 36 countries. And this whole concert that was done in Hawaii, uh, he didn't keep a single cent from the proceeds, uh, uh, the profits of mm. this concert. It was all donated uh, to the uh, Keeley Cancer Fund. Mm-hmm. Uh, so over $75,000 in 1974. That's over four hundred and fifty thousand dollars today, mm-hmm. all donated. Mm-hmm. 
uh, Elvis continues on this huge schedule, and every time he ever got into a a spat with the uh, with Colonel Parker about I need to take time for myself. I need to. Uh, in fact, this whole situation isn't working out. Colonel Parker would say, "Well, fine, you can fire me, but you owe me two million dollars if you do." <laughs> and Elvis didn't have two million dollars. He barely had anything because yeah. he was either always giving it away yeah. to people, yeah. or these other people like Colonel Parker were managing his money for him, yeah. making sure he wouldn't have any money. Yeah. So he's doing over 170 concerts a year. Mm-hmm. He has all of these people who are enabling him, uh, and he starts back in the Vegas days. Um, they start saying well, the most important thing is to get Elvis on that stage. So if he is up all night doing these shows, mm-hmm. he only gets a few hours to go to sleep and he's so keyed up he can't go to sleep so they give him downers to go to sleep and then he's too groggy when he wakes up so they give him the uppers so that he's taking these this uh these uppers and downers they found this doctor dr nicopolis in memphis who's prescribing over 10,000 prescription pills uh in an eight-month period Mm. Uh, that were given to Elvis, and that completely riddled his uh, uh, digestive system, made him blow mm-hmm. up. Um, and uh, uh, by August of 1977, Elvis is planning to go on another tour, another backbreaking tour mm-hmm. all over the United States, and uh, he uh, has a, a heart attack mm-hmm. and he dies mm-hmm. at Graceland on mm-hmm. August 16, 1977. Uh, when he died, the president of the United States, Jimmy Carter, uh, said that Elvis had fundamentally and permanently changed American culture. Mm-hmm. John Lennon said, before Elvis, there was nothing. Mm-hmm. Uh, on August 17th, the day after he died, more flowers were sold in the United States than in any other day in American history, mm-hmm. as people from all over the nation sent flowers to Graceland. Mm-hmm. Uh, there were vigils that were held there for days on end. Uh, and uh, another thing about flowers, the way that Anne Margaret found out that Elvis had died was because flowers were not delivered uh, to uh, her dressing room in Vegas because Elvis had been sending flowers to her dressing room in Vegas every day. Mm-hmm. And because those flowers didn't show up, she knew something was wrong. And then she found out that he died. Mm-hmm. Uh, Elvis... I, I, if you can't tell by now, I, I absolutely love the man. Uh, he is bigger than life. <laughs> There's something spiritual that comes over me when I listen to his songs. I myself, maybe not the most uh, common opinion, I love the 70s stuff. I love the <laughs> operatic voice that he has. Uh, uh, we just celebrated Elvis's birthday. They had a showing of That's the Way It Is. Uh, I teared up uh, uh, seeing some of these songs. <laughs> if you ever see some of the later performances, even when he's all bloated and he's got so many problems and he's so sad, uh, you, you listen to songs like Hurt and uh, Unchained Melody, and it's still so beautiful Mm -hmm. uh uh, just a a truly remarkable man a truly uh a great uh uh, show of of the possibilities and the opportunities available in america um uh, just uh so wonderful Mm -hmm. uh and there's so many things that i've left out of this story and we may come back and pick up on certain dates and things that he did but um truly a a wonderful a person and um 
I think that uh, this reading, this is absolutely who he was. The, mm-hmm. the greatness, the sadness, the uh, connections to women, to his mother, mm-hmm. to money. He makes money, but it's not his goal. There are uh, so many things. And, and, and the, the last things, you know, that um, he has a huge amount of power that he didn't know what to do with right. and might not have wanted. Yeah. Yeah, it's really interesting because the entire time I was reading, I was like, well, I, I don't know. I mean, this this is clearly uh, a megalithic person, you know, but I mean, I never know with you. I never know if you're in politics or if you're in show business or if you're in some place that I don't some hidden part of history that I don't know what it is. But um, yeah, this is this is it's I mean. If if you uh, it, it's all right here in his chart, you know. And what's interesting is while you were discussing the history of Elvis, I looked up uh, Priscilla's birthday, and she was a Gemini, so her birthday was May twenty fourth. So he would have had to have a Gemini or a Cancer, uh, if you're doing equal house cusps, uh, to be. Uh, to keep his attention, you know, he, he was devoted, I believe, to Priscilla. And uh, I think he, he, he would have tried his best, you know, to be um, faithful to her. But I mean, I don't know. I mean, what was she doing with the uh, karate guy? You know, mm-hmm. I mean, what's that about? So we don't know the answers and I don't have her chart in front of me. But um, I've always loved Elvis and I did not know he had Sag Rising ever. I just knew he was a Capricorn, but I've never looked it up. I've never looked at his chart before. So yeah i think he is a magical person and um i don't think he was from here if you understand the vernacular of what that means when i say it you know i mean and and people they even there's one of elvis's albums in the in the 70s is is prince from another planet mm-hmm. um because he, he, there's something about him that is otherworldly it's larger than life Mm -hmm. it is huge Mm -hmm. um and i think that goes into why many people don't think that it it, it can't be possible that he died from a heart attack like any other person Mm uh in 1977 they they you know the the national Enquirer will say that he's in a trailer park in mobile alabama (laughs) or uh, wherever it's because we as a people can't comprehend that this person who was so big and larger than life and did so much you listen it's not just john lennon and the beatles Mm -hmm. the 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 impact that he had on music around the world um uh, as uh, th- that he could have just died like that mm-hmm. um and so sad too so mm-hmm. that th- there's this idea that maybe somehow he figured out how to throw off the colonel and throw all these people off of his back and uh and, and live his life uh, the way that he wanted to or uh, he's just a, a straight up alien from another planet mm-hmm. and as uh, as agent k says uh, elvis <laughs> didn't die he just went back home mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we don't know. I mean, we don't know uh, if any of these celebrities actually die or not. We don't know what goes on in the world. You know, we only know what they tell us. So, 
I mean, you could think that Elvis is alive and well in some place where he's doing exactly what he wants and nothing else, and that he had to fake his own death in order to be happy, or he really did pass away and, you know, he's gone on to the next thing he wants to do, you know? Mm -hmm. It's, um, no matter what you, no matter how you want to look at it, whoever this soul is, they are very, um dynamic (laughs) so no matter where he goes whether he comes back to earth if you believe in reincarnation or not or he goes to the next place he's going to be a big deal he's a big deal like they say in star wars i'm a big deal (laughs) uh well uh i think on our uh scale of right on the money to uh, way out in outer space, uh, this one is right on the money. Uh, this is uh, this is who who Elvis was. Um, you have any other uh, thoughts about uh, about the chart about everything? Yeah, I can't imagine any astrologer that could pull this chart and not go, yeah, this is this is the deal. But I mean, there's a lot here. You know, there's a lot here um, that uh, I didn't even get into. But um, it's it's pretty obvious, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, th- there's a lot that I didn't even get into either. Uh-huh. So uh, we we may have to revisit uh, uh, Elvis at another point. Um, well, uh, that just about wraps us up for our season premiere of season three of History and Retrograde. I'd like to thank you all so much uh, for uh, listening. Uh, if you would uh, like to uh, find out uh, more about the show, uh, help us uh, 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 see what's going on on our social media. We've got links provided uh, in the show description. Uh, we also have a, a link to our PayPal account. Uh, every little bit helps us in uh, producing a better quality show and expanding our audience. And if you would like to be your very own Mystery History guest, we can make that happen for you. Uh, you just uh, reach out to the email provided, uh, Chandler's Mom at History com, and uh, mom will uh, get with you about all the details on uh, how to have either your chart or your chart with a special someone we're getting into February we're getting into Valentine's mm-hmm. Day so uh, if you'd like to uh, find out if your Valentine uh, match is uh, set in the stars well we can make that happen Absolutely. And um, I'm going to be adding uh, dates and places and towns where I will be meeting you guys. Uh, I actually am going to different uh, locations around Texas. And maybe uh, this year we might get to a place to where Chandler and I do uh, a live show somewhere in the world but for right now uh if you want to know where i'm going to be uh just check out the social media and you'll know where i'll be that week uh yes so uh thank you all again so much for listening uh as always in conclusion as long as your houses are in order and the stars are aligned everything will be just fine everything's gonna be just fine welcome to 2023 We're very excited to see what happens this year. Thank you for listening. We love you. Bye-bye. Thank you. Thank you very much.
Flexibility is great. That's why there's yoga. Flexibility for your insurance coverage is great too. That's why there's United Healthcare Insurance Plans. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, United Healthcare Insurance Plans offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. One of these plans may be right for you if you're, say, between jobs, coming off your parents' plan, turning a side hustle into a full hustle, or even missed open enrollment. Want more flexibility? Find out more about United Healthcare Insurance Plans at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.